0: I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to Episode 29 of the Simply Convivial Audio Blog. This is the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. So why such a strange name? What does convivial mean anyway? It means that our attitude as we do life together with our kids matters. Our attitude has to be convivial, full of life, festive, and good-humored. Season 5 will be all about why we need conviviality and how to get it. The Convivial Home Dare While in college at University of Idaho, I went to a small group Bible study for college girls that met in Nancy Wilson's living room. A few of the things that she had written in her books had rubbed me the wrong way, but here, set in context and said face-to-face, those same things started making more sense. It was here in my college years, from Nancy, that I encountered what was somehow a revolutionary concept. When the Bible says things like, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to the hearer. God means it. It's true. It's what we are to strive for and what we need to confess when we fall short. There are no excuses, only repentance. There are times it's difficult for sure, but then again, God's promises are there for us. His grace is made perfect in weakness, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Closeness, such as between husband and wife, does not negate scriptural commands in the slightest. Even though we are tempted to treat those we love worse than we do total strangers, somehow we think it's more real or authentic to let things rip with those who are obligated to put up with us. One of Nancy's oft-cited verses was, A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. The tongue, she taught, is a primary means for either building or destroying. We are always either building or destroying. There is no neutrality. I heard these ideas often enough over the two years that we were there that they stuck fast, and I really have worked in our marriage to not say something that I know that I would regret in the morning. Though I might feel an offensive statement is deserved or true or would make me feel better, it doesn't matter when I know it's the wrong thing to say. I've had some mental agony over that one for sure, but in general, I'm a reason over feeling personality, and I also have a hard time getting words out anyway when I'm worked up, and so those traits do work for me. Still, it's hard, but it's worth it. So applying that principle to my marriage has been something that I've been aware of and working toward. But it turns out that my house that I am building or tearing down with my own tongue, that includes my children. Ouch. Now with them, I have no problem spouting off. Somehow my verbal handicap doesn't apply with children. It dawned on me one day that this principle that I held as so vital to our marriage was precisely what I needed in my parenting. Am I building or destroying with that look, that comment, that sigh? We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Yep, no getting around it. Build up, build up, build up. Now, of course, flattery isn't building up, but uh, usually yelling is tearing down. And when they come for the upteenth time, mom, that sigh, that dropping of the shoulders, It's tearing down. My children are learning who they are from me, gathering information based on what I say of them and say to them, how I respond to them. While the general trend in society might be toward false high self-esteem, and that certainly isn't a problem in this house, I am too critical and hard to please for that. I need to build and build on a solid foundation. I need to treat my children the way my heavenly father treats me. He has high standards. But he's not hard to please, and he's not critical. In the book One Thousand Gifts, Anne Voskamp tells how the beginning of her transformation toward thankfulness and joy began with the dare that a friend gave her. Write down a list of one thousand things you are thankful for. Then she tells how becoming practiced in giving thanks opened her eyes to God's grace. That's a good dare. A dare I know that I wouldn't follow through with myself if I tried to impose it on myself. But then I started noticing verse, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. After verse, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. After verse, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. After verse, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And of course, there are more. God means it. It's true. The dare to not speak anything that isn't for edification, that's from God. The dare to give thanks in all circumstances, to rejoice always, it's from God. Can we really roll our eyes at its immensity or impossibility when it comes to us directly from God himself? Growing in these areas, practicing in them, is sanctification, and it is hard. But it is God who works in us, both to will and to work, for His good pleasure. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Homeschool Checklists for Kids. Encouraging ownership and independence with our kids often feels like a mysterious process, and we don't know how to go about it. We hope it just happens with age and maturity, but it doesn't. It's not a given. It's a character trait that's developed over time, but it won't develop without practice. A checklist is a means of practice, and skills come after a period of deliberate, consistent practice. If you want your child to grow in independence with his schoolwork, Start with a checklist and a daily meeting, one to start the day, and one to make sure it's done at the end of the day. When he wanders off, redirect back to the checklist. When he asks you what's next, redirect back to the checklist. Make free time or a hobby pursuit contingent upon checklist completion. Then he becomes master of his own time. The amount of free time that he has will be directly dependent upon his use of his own time. There will be hard life lessons along that line, but holding the line and showing him that he has control over his own day will, in the end, grow responsibility and maturity. Independence only comes along with responsibility and maturity. Focus on responsibility and maturity, and independence comes as a bonus for you both. Along these lines, keep in mind that independence will start developing in the double digits, You might give your seven or nine-year-old a checklist, I do, but they are in the hand-holding phase. Don't expect them to work independently with that checklist. They are only learning that the checklist is where you go to find out what needs to be done next and what done actually is. Baby-step those elementary kids into responsibility with a checklist, after they can read, but don't expect it to bloom until middle school and trying to force the bloom will not result in a healthy plant. Remember, if we want them to be responsible, the first step is to be responsible with our checklists ourselves. Find the free checklist resource to download at simplyconvivial.com audio. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also hit the share button on the show notes to share this episode with your Facebook friends at simplyconvivial.com audio. You can find all the episodes and also sign up to get an email when a new one comes out. Remember, education is repentance, repent, rejoice, repeat.